0: Welcome to the mobile monger podcast. I'm your host, Shanae Miuha. This last weekend, I had the distinct pleasure of hosting a dear friend and comrade in cheese, Katie Courier, as she worked her cheese magic throughout the Puget Sound. Wisconsin has so many unique things about their dairying industry that I had to dig in with Katie about what her job entails at the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Once known as the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, DFW changed its name to encompass all the levels of support that they provide throughout the state and put focus on the farmers working every day to bring milk to the people. There was so much more that we could have delved into, but as you can hear from some of the background noise, my husband was cooking his breakfast and it was really starting to smell fantastic. Here's Katie with the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin Primer.
1: Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and my cheese career has been the last nine years at DFW.
0: And you want to tell us what DFW is? Uh,
1: Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin is funded by the Milk Checkoff in Wisconsin and we're a nonprofit that helps um, cheese and dairy companies throughout the state with their marketing efforts. Um, We have other departments that you know, work on consumer awareness for Wisconsin cheese and dairy products.
0: Uh, Can you give us like a rundown of how that works?
1: Sure. Um, So part of what I do is work with uh, the cheese and dairy companies on different programs of support that we have. So we'll help them when it comes to their participation in trade shows, um, when they do in-store demos, because obviously the best way you know to showcase your product is to get it into people's mouths um, when they're doing advertising whether it's you know industry publications or even the local newspaper um, with their labeling I, I would hope everyone's familiar with the proudly Wisconsin cheese logo so when they apply that to their products it kind of opens everything up for them um, as far as our support goes and then we also have um, cheese maker travel support. So when our cheese makers go out and are in front of um, industry folks or consumers, we help them with their, their travel.
0: What does your role look like in that in the overarching organization?
1: Um, I'm working directly with the cheese companies um, on, you know, whichever one of those that they're doing, you know, if they're going to winter fancy food you know if they need help navigating that application um, we've got support you know for their booth Um, we also help provide them with point of sale material um, with a proudly wisconsin cheese logo on it
0: awesome so over the pandemic how has that role changed or what challenges have you seen Um, like what needs have the cheesemakers had that are different from normal or
1: it's been really interesting. Um, one of the biggest changes we made was we used to, um, have buyer missions where we would bring people into the state and obviously we can't really do those. So we had to, um, pivot. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's favorite word. (laughs) It's it's the word of word of 2020 is pivot. um, and we we changed to virtual buyer missions, which we found were actually incredibly successful um, because it, it it's just easier for people um, with their time. But for cheese companies, it was it was a bit of struggle for some of them because the smaller companies don't have um, necessarily like somebody technical on hand that can help them navigate Zoom or all the other. Um, Programs that come with doing things virtually. So that was a bit of a challenge. So we, we did as much as we could to help them with that. Um, I know that we've even had cheesemakers come into our office um, to do some of those virtual buyer missions. But it was basically difficult for them because part of a huge part of their business is being in front of consumers and buyers with their products and that wasn't something that they could do so they had to figure out how to keep themselves in front of people you know virtually or um you know over the internet so we tried to help them navigate that um but yeah it was just a lot of it was mostly technical difficulties
0: <laughs> yeah small cheese makers aren't really that great at uh No, (laughs) the technical side of things
1: it's yeah it's finding somebody's uh, cousins, brothers, uncles, (laughs) nephew to come over and and help (laughs) set things up
0: well even last year when I was talking to cheesemakers like I had to have Andy download Zoom and he had no idea what to do now he's a pro at it but like back then you know even just a year ago nobody really knew what was going on with Zoom so Nope. and yeah.
1: just you know have, helping them to present themselves virtually to somebody you know setting them up with helping them set themselves up with you know uh, just a few powerpoint slides things like that
0: so i think a lot of consumers might um have a point of contact with cheeselandia like um what is kind of your role with all of that and what is cheeselandia i guess
1: so, Cheeselandia is basically a, a group of Wisconsin cheese enthusiasts who, who absolutely love Wisconsin cheese and um, we work with them. Our MarCom team is actually who handles all of the Cheeselandia um, events and uh, different things. They, they have the direct contact with the Cheeselandia folks. On my end, um, when Cheeselandia has like a different, we've had different virtual events. And what I do is get in touch with the cheesemakers to participate in those. So they had, um, and there was a virtual event earlier last year that we did where, you know, we highlighted the cheesemakers, some of their history. They participated virtually um, and then, you know, also facilitating the cheese for those events too is something that um, myself and my other uh, department co-workers do
0: i was fortunate enough to attend a couple of those Landia events and i think that what the getting the cheese is a huge boon for most people when they sign up and they're like, "Oh, I get a free box of cheese!" Like that's amazing. Um, so I really found that the Cheese Landia events were like such a touch point for a lot of consumers, and it's getting harder and harder to actually get into those events now to like get picked in the lottery to be a part of them. <laughs>
1: it's it's get- becoming very popular, and it's not just because of you know receiving free cheese. People are getting involved, and they're becoming they're becoming more kind of enthralled with Wisconsin cheese and, and want to learn more about, you know, all the different cheeses because we produce over 700 varieties. It's there's, I I'm constantly learning new things every day when it comes to cheese and my job and the people I work with. And that's what makes it so much fun.
0: Yeah. That's what I've found in the cheese world too, is that the, the learning never ends and that just keeps you on your toes and keeps the brain going (laughs) um so did you grow up in wisconsin
1: i did i was born and raised in wisconsin my family still has a dairy farm um actually i was thinking just yesterday about how um i was chased by a herd of cows (laughs) because when you walk away from them they start following you and then i i got a little scared as a kid and i started running away from them and then they also run towards you So that was a a bit scary, but otherwise cows are just like very, very big dogs. They're incredibly intelligent and so loving and smart.
0: Cow puppies. They're so cute. They are. Um, so do you think that your experience growing up around a dairy farm kind of helped lead you into your career that you have now?
1: I do, um... When the dairy farm that is in our family doesn't ship the milk um, for cheese. I only found that out actually as an adult because when I was a kid, it was just the cows get milked and the milk gets hauled away. You know, that that was the extent of it. Um, But I think the farming industry, I don't know. I want to say that I believe it's over 90% of the farms in Wisconsin are family owned, which I just think is, is is. absolutely staggering and awesome. Um, and to be a part of not only the dairy farming aspect of it, but also, you know, the cheese and dairy companies, it feels really good to be a part of you know, the whole Wisconsin agricultural scene. And it, it, it's very rewarding.
0: The Wisconsin cheese community, cheesemakers and cheesemongers is pretty tight knit can you um I guess talk about the community and like the support within
1: yeah um everybody knows everybody and it's it feels more like a a neighborhood where you know you've got Andy Hatch who lives down the street from Bruce Workman (laughs) (laughs) um, and Chris Raleigh and a lot of it is collaboration you would be surprised to hear just how many cheesemakers actually, you know, lean on each other for support, um, for education, uh, and they like said collaboration, you know, they'll get together and work on a cheese and it, nobody, nobody outside of Wisconsin might know that the two of them worked on it together. Um, but they, you know, and they utilize CDR too, which is a, a big part of the community as well the Center for Dairy Research Uh, but the the cheese community it is it is like a neighborhood and everybody works well with everyone else it's it's less it's not so much about competition it's about lifting each other up which I've always found really really amazing and it, it surprises me all the time when I I see these guys just working together on each other's different projects or you know if they're having an issue with something or somebody's truck broke down and they need help with something I mean there's it's community and it's also
0: family I think that that's kind of a surprising thing when people first start interacting with Wisconsin cheesemakers because you know you said that they There's 700 different types of cheese. So you would think that all of these cheesemakers would be vying for the same slots on the shelves. Um, So how does uh, DFW kind of work with that sort of thing where there are only so many slots on many shelves? Like, how do you kind of work to get them into the stores and like kind of how do you pick the cheesemakers who are most profiled, I guess? We actually... We make it pretty even across the board with everybody that we work
1: with. Um, our re- regional marketing managers are the ones who work with retailers, and they they don't act as a salesperson for the cheese companies. They are trying to lift up Wisconsin cheeses. So when they're working with the retailers on promotions, they're actually um, working with several different cheese companies to be in those promotions, and it's basically, you know, who is that. Retailer carrying, you know, who? What are what are our options for this? Um, these different promotions, um, but we try to spread the wealth when it comes to exposure. You know, with Cheeselandia, we we we've highlighted you know several companies that people might not have known about before. Um, but yeah, with the in. The, Part of it too is getting the cheese companies out in front of those retailers and distributors at trade shows. Um, We've got our booth, which I don't, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have seen. It's a big Wisconsin cheese pavilion, but that offers, you know, the companies who might not have funds to have their own booth, it allows them to get to the show, see what it's like, get in front of people um, at a reduced cost.
0: Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of looking at what the retailer is looking for, too, to add to their sets and kind of seeing what cheeses you have that could possibly fit within that. Uh, now that things are kind of normalizing with the pandemic, like what challenges or what opportunities are kind you seeing in terms of your role and being able to kind of get the cheesemakers out front of people now?
1: obviously a huge um huge thing is demos starting back up um being able to get not only the cheese but the cheese makers in front of people because it's you know who can tell their story better than them nobody so getting the cheesemakers out there you know how many times can somebody say that they've met a cheese maker when you're outside of the industry so you know people come home with a story saying i went to the grocery store today I tried this amazing amazing cheese and I met the cheese maker who made it and that encourages other people to kind of look into it and see maybe, well, I should check out that cheese if the cheese maker thinks it's great enough to go sample themselves. Um, but just getting back out in front of everybody face-to-face, I think we'll still continue with some virtual aspect of it just because, you know, it, it is sort of a time saver and um, it helps you connect with people um, far away. But I think it's really getting back to being face to face with people is what's going to be important.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that our world has changed a little bit where we're actually using virtual stuff in a really proactive way because there are people who can't go to Fancy Food Show or ACS and can't have that face to face interaction. So even just being able to Have some sort of a connection is really key. Um, Are you guys going to be doing Fancy Food Show in New York?
1: Yes, we will be at Fancy Food Show. um, And we'll also be at the Northwest Food Service Show.
0: um,
1: NRA, ACS. We we try to have a presence at a lot of different industry events, especially the trade shows.
0: Um, I know that you're not on the marketing team, but like, people really still talk about the South by Southwest (laughs) the biggest cheese um were you at that event
1: I was not at that event our our Marcom team was though um and it it is a spectacle and it's amazing as people talk about it still obviously and I don't know what their plans are for South by Southwest next year if they plan on doing that again but it's that was a a big undertaking.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Like months of work for one like one big table essentially. The, the, the
1: world's best cheese carnival. Yeah. <laughs> and our our participation in that in my department was, you know, sourcing all that cheese, talking to the cheesemakers and explaining to them the benefit of having, you know, their cheeses in front of, you know, certain groups of people.
0: Well, and I think that's an interesting conversation to have, too, with the cheesemakers, because they're putting out this cheese essentially for free, and so they're not necessarily seeing the exact return on investment for that. So how do you go about having that conversation with them?
1: So we explain to them what the event is, who the audience is, um, and then we also do a follow-up after the event to let them know how it went, how many people came through, what the response was um we a nice thing is is that especially with south by southwest social media all of the social media posts you know those themselves are just wonderful to have and it's nice to see that people are talking about it so we'll often show them examples of posts from just regular people who came through and were just stunned and amazed um some of some of them specifically call out certain cheeses So we do, we do follow up at the end too, but yeah, explaining to them the benefits of having their cheese at different events uh, is something that, that we work hard to do because we want them to have that exposure.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, the social media itself is a goldmine. That's like basically free marketing for, to have like thousands of people taking pictures. And of course, everybody's going to take pictures. It's a huge cheese board and carnival aspect so yeah that's going to be seen all over the place
1: (laughs) well and the nice thing too is that um it gives these companies something that they can highlight as well where they can work in conjunction with us and promoting themselves they're like hey did you guys did you see us at south by southwest or we're going to be at south by southwest so they can promote themselves for these events as well through their social media channels
0: so that's definitely a really key thing about DFW in my opinion is that the marketing aspect because I mean how many cheesemakers if they can't handle zoom how are they handling Instagram let's say
1: well the the challenge is is that with the smaller companies you know one person is wearing 20 hats and they don't have the time to you know educate themselves on how to manage their social media so that's something that we're trying to do is to show them you know simple tricks how to do that because otherwise you know like i said they don't have the time they don't have the resources to bring somebody else in just specifically to do that
0: and i think it's hard to even quantify sometimes to cheesemakers to the importance of social media and we're just in that world now where social media is important so.
1: Yeah, it's, it's making it clear to them just because you don't utilize it and it's not important to you doesn't mean that it's not going to be a valuable
0: tool for your business. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to kind of dig in about how exactly DFW works. Like, so they – like, there's a certain amount of money that comes out from the cheesemakers or – nope so
1: the dfw is funded solely by the milk checkoff so um i believe it's 15 cents per hundred weight five cents goes to the national checkoff 10 cents comes to dfw and it's not just dfw is more than um just going marketing for cheese Mm -hmm. Uh, we also have uh, producer communications that works directly with the farmers we participate in June Dairy Month. We have ice cream promotions. Um, We have an entire board of directors that are elected farmers in different districts that, you know, we present to. They know exactly what is going on throughout the organization. So it's more than just, just cheese. We do, um, like I said, we do work with the farmers. An important part of Educating people that we bring into Wisconsin is taking them to a dairy farm because Shockingly, you know To me, it's weird that folks have never been or seen a dairy farm But when the the people that we're bringing in, you know, they've driven past one But they don't know how they work. They've never been on one So that's an important um, aspect of bringing those folks in and is educating them on dairy farming because that's that's truly who we work for is the farmers.
0: Yeah. Um, and I know that a lot of people in the industry know this, but Wisconsin is one of the only States that requires all of cheese makers to be licensed. Correct. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that process of, of how someone would even get into being, I know that you probably don't know the all the ins and outs of, of if- it, but how do you get to be a, licensed cheesemaker in the state of wisconsin
1: so basically you are making cheese with a licensed cheesemaker and you have um, enough apprentice hours and there's um, a test for the licensing and that's it
0: and there's like a different license for every type of cheese isn't there no oh okay. it's
1: just one one license for all cheese making there is to be,
0: the master cheese maker, though, to is be there... a master cheesemaker
1: though Is it? master cheese maker is a completely different process um you have to have been making cheese for 10 years and then you have to have been making the cheese that you want to get certified in for at least five years and the whole master cheese maker process itself takes about two and a half three years um, of continuing education getting your cheeses tested by cdr and then there's a day-long written exam uh, that has to be passed it's it's no joke it's incredibly difficult um total there have been 94 master cheese makers there are currently um, 64 that are active that are currently making cheese that's so wild <laughs> and there, out of all the 64 out of all the 94 there are um only two women so we're kind of working the to get more women involved just you know get to get licensed in the first place but to get involved with the master cheese maker program as well
0: yeah well that's a that's a hefty time commitment because besides even once you're in the master cheese program you have to have all of that time making before it so it's it's definitely something that is a lifelong goal not just like oh i'm just gonna do this like real quick
1: (laughs) yeah no it's it's a incredible commitment and the funny thing is, is a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the cheese makers have been working in the plant since they were teenagers. It's like, I mean, it was either family or they just, you know, they grew up in rural Wisconsin and it was, you work on a farm or you work in a, a
0: plant. Yeah, it's a very Wisconsin first job, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: and you know, part
0: of what we're trying to do too is create awareness with,
1: you know, the kids in high school, because if you're not in an area where there are cheese plants, you don't know that they, they exist, you know, and cheese making is cool. <laughs> we're trying to make that clear to, to kids, you know, it, it's a wonderful career. It's full of amazing people. You can make amazing products. Um, but yeah, and there, there are scholarships out there through um, a lot of different organizations, like the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association, the Southwest Cheesemakers Association. There's just a lot of funds out there, and we want to get kids into cheesemaking.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a hard job, but it's also that perfect blend of art and science, and you get something really delicious at the end of it. So (laughs) getting more kids into that is key. And also because a lot of companies don't have necessarily, like, the long-term plan of, like...
1: There's not a lot of succession planning out there. And I know uh, farmers are are struggling with that, too, succession planning. Because, you know, some kids, some of the kids just don't want to stay in farming. Um,
0: I think it's hard because if you see your parents struggle so much, and it's not like being a dairy farmer is... You're not raking in the bucks at all. Uh so I feel like a lot of kids when they see that they're like, Well, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> I wanna go like get my degree and like go find a job that can pay really well. So yeah. That's a hard so. it's it's so
1: much work and it's so much dedication.
0: You really have to truly love what you're doing. It's funny because when, you know, being a longtime cheesemonger, I've had those conversations with people who are like, well, this cheese is like $30 a pound. Like these people are clearly making a ton of money. I'm like, I don't know that you understand what is required of this, actually.
1: Do you have a couple hours for me to sit you down and walk you through the entire process of how it got to be? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. there's definitely, I mean, not many cheesemakers get into it for the money aspect of it, that's for sure. Um, So, you yeah, got some food shows coming up. Are you excited about, like, the holidays to, like, really kind of promote these cheesemakers and hopefully get people to buy more Wisconsin cheese?
1: I'm super excited. I'm really excited to see people in person and to watch those cheesemakers kind of rekindle their connections and their relationships with people and the consumers. Uh, we, we are doing a, um, a holiday promotion that will be a lot of fun. And right now um, we've also involved the cheese companies with their own gift baskets. So we'll be hosting them on our website. There'll be a whole page dedicated to um, all the different cheesemakers that wanted to participate with their own holiday gift baskets.
0: Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Okay, I've got some quick fire questions for you. Good. Okay. What is your cor- current cheese crush?
1: Um, it's called Saint Savior. It's a soft ripened cheese from Hordes Dairyman Farm Creamery. Um, Currently, unfortunately, you can only get it in Wisconsin, but we're working to change that. Um, But it is one of the the creamiest, dreamiest cheeses that I've ever had.
0: Delightful. I'm excited to try that. Uh, What is your most memorable cheese moment?
1: Oh, wow. I think it was probably when Emmy Roth won the World Cheese Championship in I think it was 2016 because Wisconsin hadn't won a U.S. cheese hadn't won since the early 80s so it was just an amazing feeling that not only was it a U.S. cheese but it was also from Wisconsin so the the whole room was just absolutely electric it was wonderful
0: that's awesome that's really fun I mean any of the awards when somebody like you know an underdog wins it's like it really does feel like lightning just struck. <laughs> it's fun. Um and then what is your favorite pairing?
1: Hmm. I really love it's going to sound a, a little str- I guess no pairing strange, but um tater tots with Rush Creek Reserve.
0: I can totally get down with that. Oh, so good. I think that Rush Creek with any sort of potato product is uh, key.
1: Rush Creek with almost anything. That that (laughs) is also true.
0: I mean, we've even done Rush Creek on top of Ridge and like just all down the line. Yeah, double down (laughs) on the uplands and just enjoy it. Um, Well, thank you, Katie, for joining me. And I am excited that we got to hang out and see each other after a year and a half of only seeing each other online. This has been great. It was so nice to see cheese people and to be able to gather around a table to share a meal and laugh. It was downright therapeutic after the last year and a half. Thank you for visiting, Katie, and for giving me a reminder of what I've missed most about our industry. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha, with a supporting feature role by my husband, Ben Muha, contributing on editing, music, and frying up sausage in the background. To support the show, please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. There, you'll find the full video recording of the conversation, discount codes for merch at my online shop, get a sneak peek at the next guest, and even submit questions for future episodes. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of Good Curd.